Thank you for joining me in today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I do believe that you're going to be blessed and touched by God's unconditional love. We've had such a wonderful, wonderful two weeks in uh, Natal, Port Edward, where we had a crusade and a conference for three days in a local church. And it was awesome to see people really grabbing a hold of the good news of Jesus Christ. People really grabbing a hold of what God um, has done upon the cross. The team that went with us from um, the Dutch Reformed Church in, in Johannesburg or Krugersdorp, they went with, they really saw so many miracles as they laid hands upon the sick, people got touched and lives got impacted. The great thing that I've seen in this was that the team was really impacted in such a way that they could see the power of God manifest in their lives. And so many times I've seen it, it's, it's evident in the Word of God that as you share the Gospel, you see and experience the power of God and you experience more of an impact most of the time than the people that you minister to. Amen. So that was just so awesome. I would like you to um, keep on clicking on a Crusade Report because you will see where our next Crusades are. We will upload it um, this week coming where we will have our next Crusades, what we're going to do. And if you want to come with on one of those Crusades, please just let us know in advance and, and we can make room for you on that and uh, make, tell you where you can get accommodation, see whatever we can arrange. So it's wonderful. If you want to go with on one of these crusades, you are more than welcome. It's just wonderful to see the power of God flowing in the lives of people. Amen. Now, if you are a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, I would like to welcome you. You are special. We want you on this program. We want you to be part of our church. Dynamic Web Church is more than just a broadcast on a Sunday. It is a church family that meets all over the world via the internet. So don't think that this is not, uh, this is just a, a broadcast. I mean, this is a live broadcast. As I'm preaching, you are hearing the Word of God, and we are in on the message of grace. And the thing that binds us together is the gospel, the gospel of God's unconditional love. I'm not there to try and preach a message that's not, not going to bring peace, um, righteousness to you. This this. Uh, uh, I mean, this whole web church is about getting people established in what God has done for them upon the cross. It's not about getting people to serve my vision. It's not about getting people's money, trying to get them, manipulate them to do things for me and, or anything like that. This is 100% geared to get people established in the unconditional love of God. So if you're a first-time viewer, we want to welcome you. It's wonderful to have you with us. Unfortunately, I cannot see you. (laughs) I just see the camera, um, but you can see me, and unfortunately you cannot see the other people that slotted in at the moment. Uh, But what we do uh, during these sessions is that we, or just after the session, we've got a a, a cell group where we meet on Skype, and we're going to just do that in a bit different way in, in the future. I've got a small um, uh, church, if you want to call it that, a place where we meet every second week in Cape Town and just preach the gospel. We're going to record that and broadcast that as well on Sunday. So one session will be uh, a live broadcast. The other one will be a broadcast of where I've preached in front of people. Because what I've realized is that when I minister in front of people, it's just different than ministering to a camera. And it's just so much more open and so much better. And we would like to give you that as well. And then we're going to change. It's not as from now, but we will let you know. It will also be on the website. 
we're going to change our cell group meeting to a day in the week and not just on a Sunday directly after the service because that just becomes too long. You know, it's the, the whole service for an hour and a half, two hours and then after that still the meeting and people need to go and eat and uh, people on the other side of the world need to, need to go to bed and they're tired and all of that. So we're going to get a time in the week where we're going to meet as a cell group and we're going to have different cell groups um, as well. So just three, four people in a group chatting together, praying for each other, helping each other in the message of grace. Amen. So I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Now I'm going to share um, just in short. Okay, I just want to say this. When we get into the Word, just before we get into the Word, after the worship, I would like to share a little bit on, on the future of Dynamic Ministries until the end of the year, what we are planning, what we are doing, and how God has opened doors for us. Amen. So, uh, look forward to that. I'm, I'm excited to share that with you. But before we get into that, I would like to share a scripture from Corinthians, just about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. Um, We're going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love Him. I want to just read that again. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. But God has revealed these things that has never entered into the heart of a man, unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man know, knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given unto us. Hallelujah. So, what does, what does Paul say? He says that he does not speak the wisdom of this world, but he speaks the wisdom that comes from God by the Holy Spirit. And what is this wisdom? This wisdom is, um, the, the way it works is God gave His Spirit, His heart, His being, His way of thinking, unto man. He gave it to Paul and to us. Okay? To do what? So that when God's Spirit comes into a man, that man out of his Spirit, out of the Spirit of God that indwells him, might know the things that are freely given to him by God. Now, he says again, and let me read this again. He says, How be we speak wisdom amongst them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the wisdom of the princes of this world that comes to nothing, but we speak the wisdom that is of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So he says this hidden wisdom that was hidden in God, 
that nobody knew, but then the Holy Spirit came, and that Holy Spirit reveals the hidden wisdom of God. Now, what is the hidden wisdom of God? Now, so many times we say, well, we will never know these, these things about God and all of that. But that's not what the Scripture says. It says in verse 10, But God has revealed this hidden wisdom unto us by His Spirit. Now, what has He revealed? The end of verse 12. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, the things that are freely given unto us of God is called the hidden wisdom of God that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, if somebody speaks by the Spirit of God, he speaks the things that are freely given to us by God. That is speaking the message of the Spirit. That is speaking the hidden wisdom of God. That is speaking the truth that was, um, this wisdom that was kept secret from before the world began and was created unto our glory. So what gives us glory, what, what glorifies us, and, and I don't want to say uplift us by um, worship towards man, but what makes us holy is the hidden wisdom of God, which is what He has freely given unto us by God. And that is what the Holy Spirit has come to reveal unto us. Now, I want to just read a, a, a scripture here in John chapter 16. You know, one day we will just talk a bit more in depth on this, but I was just thinking, just an introduction before the worship, so that our hearts can be filled with the praises of God. I want to just share what God has done in, in, in Jesus. Right. Uh, John chapter 16 um, and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove. Or another word for reprove there is convince. He will convince you of sin of righteousness and of judgment. You know, so many times we will say, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to tell us our sins. But let's read it in context with 1 Corinthians. He says here that when we speak in the Spirit, we speak the things, and what the Spirit reveals to us is the things that we have freely received in Jesus. So it says here again, verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words of man's wisdom, in other words, not in what you must do for God. You're not going to freely receive of God by your works. He was not talking about works, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, what, the hidden wisdom of God is teaching you who you are in the Spirit. Because of the spiritual things that God has done, has got an effect upon man. That is spiritual wisdom. But the natural man, the man that says, by my works I'm entering, receive not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So you that are spiritual, you that are in Jesus Christ, you judge all things. Um, I'm not going to get into explaining that. That's a whole teaching on its own. But you are actually, this is the way it is, above all judgment. That's what it means. And you can see things for what they really are. And, but people of the world can't see you 
for who you really are. That's just in short. So, you that are spiritual, you judge all things. In other words, you can make a decision about all things for you are on the right platform, you are in the right place to see things for what they are. You can see somebody that are um, somebody that's, that, that's under the law, that, that's not living by the grace of God. You can see him for what is really happening in him. But somebody that's under the law cannot see what's happening in your life, for they cannot discern what's happening, for it is spiritually discerned or by the grace of God. Okay, so, but not to, I don't want to go too deep into that, but what he's saying here is, the Holy Spirit was given that we might know all things that has been freely given to us. And here he says, in 16 verses 7, the, uh, verse 8, that the Holy Spirit will convince us of sin. So, how do we connect these two? The Holy Spirit will tell you about sin, but now when He talks about sin, He's going to tell you what you have freely received. So what He's going to tell you is, listen, you don't know what you have freely received in this and this and this area, that's, and you don't believe it, that's why you are uh, in the wrong. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. So He's going to use what God has done in Jesus, and then give that to you, and tell you that you should believe those things, and then you will find that you are convinced of sin. Now, let's look at verse 9 and 10. You're going to understand it better. Verse 8. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness as, and of judgment, of sin, because they, have believed, because they believe not on Me. So, sin is not to believe in Jesus. So, the Holy Spirit will tell you what you have freely received, which you don't believe in, which you should believe in. And that's conviction of sin. For sin is not just something you do wrong. Sin is unbelief in Jesus. That's true sin. Okay. Unbelief in Jesus. Unbelief in Jesus is not believing that it is for free and that He has given it by what He's done for you. Sin is by not walking in the message of grace. You can live a holy life have a law mindset, and that is sin in the eyes of God. You can have a, a, you can do things wrong. Listen to me. You can do things wrong, but believe on Him that justifies the ungodly, and you will be seen as righteous by God. So sin in the New Testament is not just doing things wrong. I'm not saying that if we do something wrong, that it is not missing the mark. You are missing the mark. It is. Uh, you, you can sin towards your body. You can sin towards people around you. It, I, I'm not condoning wrong deeds. But what I say is the concept of sin in the New Testament and by the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin is different than that of the Old Testament. What convicts us of sin in the New Testament is the Holy Spirit. And then he says sin is unbelief in Jesus Christ. So let's use an example. Say you are in adultery. The Holy Spirit is going to come and tell you your unbelief in the finished work of Jesus so that you can believe it and be set free. And the greatest sin there would be your unbelief in what God has done for you. If you stress about finances, He's not going to come and say, Oh, you sinner, you're stressing about money, you know, you are in the wrong. That's not what He's going to come and do. The Holy Spirit will come and then He will explain to you how God has provided for you in Jesus so that you can believe that and then you can repent of your sin, which is what you have believed about finances, and what you believe now gives you peace and righteousness, and 
as a man believes in his heart, so is he, because the Bible says out of the heart flows the forces that drives your life, and that changes your life. Amen. Well, you need to listen to that again tonight, if, you, if that was just too quick for you, or you must wait until it's uploaded onto the website. Bless God. So, let's just pray together. We're going to go right over into the worship, and I'm excited about that. Let this good news message just produce the worship in your heart. Let's sing together, and after that I'm going to speak about a bit of the future of Dynamic um, Love Ministries, what we are doing, uh, the vision that I have, uh, the doors that God has opened, the translation of the Bible school into different languages and all of that. So, Amen. I'm excited. Let's just worship God. You know, so many people ask me so many times, you know the book of James, there's so many things in this, and how are you going to, uh, you know, how do you explain this, how do you explain that? So, I decided, man, let me go and make a proper study of the book. And if you're a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, you can go into our archives. And the last four Sundays is all about the book of James. And just giving you an in-depth study of that. But just for, um, before we get into this, I would just like to testify on what God has done uh, for Dynamic Love Ministries and for the future of this ministry in for, until the end of this year. And what our vision is. Uh, we went to Natal and we had a crusade there, as you know, and, and a conference. And we, I, met, I met there with a businessman. And, or he wanted to meet with me there and he couldn't. He cancelled his appointment and said that uh, if he could meet with me in a conference down in Cape Town. And there was a conference down here and uh, Rob Rufus came and preached here. Rob Rufus is a, a grace preacher. And uh, I went to this conference and I met with this businessman and... Uh, he asked me to come and do a crusade in Belito, in the northern parts of Natal. <clears throat> and man, I was so excited, and he said, you know, how are we going to do this crusade? I said, no man, let's do a, an open air crusade, we can do it open air or in a tent. And, uh, he, and I asked him, what do you think, how do you want this to happen? And he said to me, no, what we're going to do is we're going to advertise it like this, get a very well-known gospel singer and all of that to come and, and sing at this crusade. And I said, well, that's awesome. <clears throat> uh, I don't think we should get a tent then because it's going to be too small. Let's do it in an open air uh, setup. And he said, oh, well, we must get a stage and stuff. I said, no, I've got a stage. And this guy was, man, I could just see God working in his heart. And he said, listen, I will courier uh, the stage up for you to Natal. And we're going to have a nice crusade. Now, we're expecting, I mean, I expect at least 5,000 people to come to a crusade like that. And, man, we got to do it properly. The, the right lights, the right sound systems, the stage, uh, the, the hire a thousand chairs for people, the sick and all those people that they, and, and old people, they will be able to be seated. And um, the gospel singer that's coming out. And uh, we're getting one of the, a very well-known gospel singer, Zulu gospel singer, and, and uh, that will come and sing. And, and it will be awesome. She will lead the worship and I just think this is going to be so, so good. And what's nice about this is, I mean, he's sponsoring this crusade. And then we leave the equipment there to, uh, for future crusades, which we will do then right after that one. We'll do another one and another one. So I'm very excited about that. So um, Dynamic Love Ministries is moving into uh, more into uh, uh, crusades, open-air gospel crusades, that type of a thing. I'm so excited about that. It is a passion in my heart all my life. And all of a sudden, it seems as if this thing is really getting to a place where it can move into the dimensions that I always wanted it to move into. So, and that will be able, I mean, that will really impact the lives of thousands of people. 
And now what's nice is we are translating the five minute Bible school into Zulu as well. So that's just awesome. So we're going to get this five minute Bible school up in Zulu. Um, and this will be done before September. Man, that's awesome. So we're going to have a nice conference uh, in Belito itself. Then we're going to go to Shaka's Head area. That area is going to get a nice open field. We're going to do a gospel crusade there. Train leaders, get them into this good news with a five-minute Bible school. And from there, do crusade upon crusade. I'm so, so excited about that. I know that's going to impact the lives of many people. And um, I'm flying the end of the month or the first week in next month. We're doing a conference in Port Alfred. Flying there, we're going to do a healing grace conference. So we're going to teach on uh, grace and then with a focus to get the sick healed. So we're going to do that. I'm very excited about that. Right after that, on the 17th, this is the 17th, when's the conference in um, 18, 19th and 20th, there's a conference in Johannesburg where I'm ministering at with Alan Spiegel. So I'm very excited about that. We will also have, after that conference, we'll have those messages on our website, definitely, because people need to hear the message of grace from more than just one source. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm ministering there. Then we're going to Zambia. After that, we're going to Natal. Directly after that, we're doing a crusade in um, Mozambique. So I'm very excited about that. That would be planning. We will still get all the planning for the crusade in Mozambique in the next week or two to come. But uh, there's a man that has built a big church there um, for the Roman Catholics. And uh, he didn't even know it was Roman Catholic. He just built this, this church for these people. Then the bishop of Mozambique came to him and they built a big church apparently it's like 2,000 square meters or something and um, he said that we can use that building and they will arrange everything for a crusade so I'm excited to go up and to do that crusade in Mozambique as well so things are really opening up towards crusades and uh, I'm so glad that we've got this website the way it's running now we've got the, the, the outreaches that's coming Everything will be loaded up onto the websites. Somebody phoned me and asked me if they can't broadcast my messages on a TV channel and I must decide which channel I want uh, them to broadcast this on. So I'm thinking of broadcasting on an Afrikaans channel in South Africa. Uh, it is not, will not have the impact that an English channel has on the whole world, but I think in South Africa it's going to have a bigger impact um, on the Afrikaans people, of course, than what any English station would have. Although most of the Afrikaans-speaking people, they are bilingual anyway. But when they can hear the gospel in their own language, it is just so, so awesome. So God is really opening doors. It is, it's just awesome to see what God is doing in Dynamic Love Ministries. And what's nice about this, I didn't try to push through. I didn't walk around the, uh, the town claiming, proclaiming in the name of Jesus, God must now break through and do something. I didn't manipulate anybody for finances. It was just by the finished work of Jesus and God's love for people. That's, that's the way it works. That's the only way it's going to work. It's going to work in no other way. And um, we're not going to uh, uh, try and, and, and manipulate, try and be something. We're not to get this ministry to touch the world with the message of God's unconditional love. No. God wants this message of grace to go out even more than what we wanted to go out. So we, we are just part of what God's doing. Amen. God's spirit is upon us. God's message of unconditional love is upon us. God wants people to hear this message of grace. There's no way 
that anything or anybody can stop this message of going out. And it's wonderful to know that we are part of it. You know, um, it's wonderful to think, and, and this might sound arrogant, but, I, but it's not out of a heart of arrogance, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. It's nice to know that you're unstoppable because of God and the force of His love that is dwelling inside you. Amen. Nothing can stop this message of going out. Nothing can stop this ministry of reaching the world. It, it cannot be stopped. I, it's like I said to somebody yesterday, it's as if the blessings, according to Deuteronomy 28, is chasing us and overtaking us and we can't get away from it. It's just the way it works. God is just doing it that way. That is, that's the way it is. And that is what happens because of grace, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We must realize, and, and you might say back, you know, but I've tried to be blessed. I can't be blessed. And I've been a Christian for so many years. And it's like people say to me, Bertie, but you preach grace and God's good to everybody. Why are these people suffering? And then the question that I ask is, do they believe the good news? Because the Bible says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So you can't say, yes, God's a righteous God and God's a good God. Why doesn't everybody, why isn't everybody now blessed? Because they need to believe. God made man... The, the, the relationship between God and man was designed from the beginning on the basis of faith. You need to believe. But God is so gracious that He even gives faith to whosoever wants it. Whosoever wants to listen to Him receives faith as something that just happens to Him as He listens to Him. If you just listen to what God tells you about your family life, about who you are in Jesus, like I said before we start to preach now, the whole thing about um, comparing spiritual with spiritual, who you are in the Spirit. If you start to listen to God, you will find faith coming to your heart. So it's not difficult to believe. It's something that God even gives you. It is you being persuaded of the truth so that you can position your mind in a place where you can live in that truth. That is faith. Faith is not this difficult thing to get. And now you must now try to get faith. Otherwise, God's not going to bless you. And He's now stuck up. He's not going to bless you. No, no. The faith is being persuaded that He has blessed you when you didn't have any faith. That is what faith is. To be persuaded that God was good to all the world, forgiving the sins of everybody, blessing everybody, Free from them even believing it or doing anything about it. He has already done it. But when you believe it, you, you, you enter into what Jesus Christ has received on behalf of man when he was raised from the dead. Well, that's a mouthful, but that is the truth. So, when we come into the Word of God, when we come into the message of grace, we realize that as we listen to this, faith comes into our hearts and we start to live a life of victory. You know, there's a place where this message of grace starts to manifest in your life. So, I want to just encourage you. Don't give up. Um, and not that it's a work that you must now try to work this thing to work in your life. No, no. There's one work as a Christian. There is a work. The Bible says it is la labor to enter into the rest. So, make an effort to stay in the message of grace. Make an effort not to listen to what I must do for God, the wisdom of this world, that type of a thing. Make an effort to listen to the message of what God has done for you. 
That's all. That's the only thing you can do. Keep yourself in a place where you listen and hear grace. Where you can meditate upon grace. You know, it's, it's, it's like with me. I, I went to this conference and it was blessed. You know, the one man, he preached, uh, the, the one guy preached grace. The other, other guy, I think he was more there for, to sort out some church politics and stuff that was <clears throat> in that, that denomination, I want to call it. Um, and uh, uh, that was why he was there. But he didn't always preach grace. And I was... I believe that I went there basically to meet up with this other businessman and to listen, to meet up with Rob Rufus uh, so that we in future can maybe do conferences together, preach the Word of God together, get him to broadcast on the, on the, um, the, the channel that I want to start, the grace channel that I want to start in that. But as for me, if, if I knew that that guy would minister the law, I wouldn't have even gone to his session. Because why would I listen to a message that I know is actually confusing me? A message that comes over through people. And I mean, most preachers, they are convincing. They come with a message of the law that's convincing. Trying to convince you to get back under the law. Not willingly, but that's what happens. So, stay away from a place that that, that will get your mind on what you must do for God under the law, because that does not produce and manifest the righteousness of God. It doesn't do that. So, um, the book of James is a book that's written uh, from a law perspective to law people that lived by the law, that has lived by the law for hundreds of years, that believed in the law of Moses as the only word of God. And then, the, the law of Moses was actually just a shadow of the true word of God. And they took the shadow as the word. And now, James has to, has to come, has um, came, and he had to explain this whole thing and try to get the people from the law into grace by using the law of Moses. And if we don't see the book of James in that perspective, we will not understand the uh, um, the book of James, you know, and, and whenever we interpret scripture, we must know this, and I've said it many times, and I will say it basically in every session when I preach. When you interpret scripture, you must see Jesus in that scripture, because Jesus is called the Word of God. In the measure that you see the finished work of Jesus in a scripture, is the measure in which you see the Word of God in that scripture, or the measure in which you live in the truth concerning that scripture and understand the truth concerning that scripture. Now, James chapter three. Um, speaks, or let me, let me just quickly run from chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 1 is the most important uh, part of James. It says there, it's written to the twelve tribes which were scattered abroad. So this was not written to the Gentiles, it was written to the Jews. It was not, if you are not of, uh, um, if you don't have Jewish blood in you, if you are a German or an African or a Dutchman, whatever you are, I, I don't care what nation you're from, if you're not a Jew, this was not written for you anyway. But if we, but it can be used to add to our faith and understanding of the gospel. But we must know the aim of James was not to try and teach the Gentiles. And, and I believe the same with God. He, he came and He directed this. He, that chapter 1 verse 1 was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told James, write this. Otherwise, he would have said to all people. But it's not to all people, it is to James. Then, it's written to people that were seeking wisdom. 
they were seeking, and, and this was a Jewish thing, they were seeking wisdom in the Scriptures on how to live this holy life, how to have perfection, how to get the Messiah to come, um, you know, how to be superior, how to have true holiness, being pleasing to God. And they had this wisdom on how to live the successful life. And they were studying the Old Testament Scriptures, having their own philosophies, own ideas on the Scriptures. And they've got these, they had these sects, you know, of teachers. And people would be baptized um, under their teaching and be saying, I become a follower of this, this leader. I'm, I'm of Gamaliel, or I'm of Paul, or I'm of this one, or I'm of that one. That's the way these Jewish people believed. And then Paul came to them and said to them, Listen, man, what you must actually do in chapter 1 is believe the word of grace and be a doer of grace. Because they believed the word of Jesus, but they were doers of Moses. And so many times we read that scripture in James chapter 1, where it says that um, we must not be hearers of the word, but doers, as hearers of commandments and doers of commandments. No, no, we must be hearers of the word, which is the correct interpretation of scripture, which is the finished work of Jesus Christ, and then we must be doers of the work of Jesus. In other words, we must be doers of the work of grace. How are you a doer of the work of grace? You're a doer of the word... Um, in a very simple way, if maybe you've done something wrong, how, how am I a doer of the work? By not living in condemnation about that thing, but saying that I'm forgiven. And to say that I'm a new creature and that I do, I'm not under the power of this thing and I'm set free. And that I can live a holy life and have a new life in Jesus Christ. That's how you are a doer of grace. How are you a doer of grace? By not judging others for their works, but simply giving the message of grace. That's a doer of the work of grace. How you do of grace? By not focusing on the law of Moses. By not reading the Ten Commandments every day. That's how I'm a doer of grace. How am I a doer of grace? By not seeking ten ways to get a revival. That is a work, because if you are seeking ten ways on how to get a revival to come into the world, you are saying, what can I do to get the Christ down? You can't get yourself up into the heavens to get the Christ down according to Romans chapter 6. Don't, uh, Romans chapter 8. Don't, don't say that in your heart. Who shall ascend into heaven to bring the anointing down? Or the anointed one? Who will go into the depths of the earth? In other words, humble yourself, humiliate yourself. Go to nothing to bring the anointing and the anointed one into this world. No, say this. I've already received it. That is the word of grace. That is what, what James tries to say. Then he came into chapter 2 and, he, and, and, he, and he, he explained the whole thing further, saying to the people that, um, that they shouldn't break the law of grace and the law of, because they said you can break the law of love. In the same way we are under a law of grace, saying, listen, we must stay in the grace of God. And by going under the law of Moses, you are breaking the law of grace. Stay in the law of grace. Don't break the law of grace. Don't, don't disannul what Jesus Christ has done by going back to the law. Then comes chapter 3 and he says to the people, and I, and I read verse 1, it says, My brethren, be not masters, be not many teachers of the law, knowing that you shall receive a greater condemnation. For in many things we all offend. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to uh, bridle the whole body. So what he's saying here in chapter 3, and we must realize, and just a little bit of, of history there, that these Jewish guys, they loved to go, and, and a great thing in their lives was to be a teacher of the law. 
So they basically got saved. Then they said, well, now I'm in the things of God. Jesus saved me. I received Jesus as my Savior. So now I'm going to study the Scriptures. And then they became teachers of the law. And let's just read uh, in, in Corinthians, uh, uh, sorry, Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, and um, from verse 5 it says, Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. From, from, from which some, having swerved, and have turned aside to vain jangling or vain teaching, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what they affirm. So what, what they said is that people get saved and then they turn away from the message of grace, desiring to be teachers of the law, not knowing what they say or affirm. For when you're under the law, you don't know what you are saying. What you're actually saying is that Jesus Christ is not enough. And what you're affirming is death and not life. You're actually against the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the context of chapter 3, speaking to people that are doing that. Then he said to them, you, and, and, and this is where we're going to pick it up, in verse 9 it says, with your mouth you bless God the Father, saying, Oh Father, you're a wonderful Father. And therewith you curse man, saying, You know, you're a sinner, you've done this wrong, you're going to hell, you're worthless. He says, This ought not to be so. Because these people are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. You're not supposed to bless God and curse man. Say, God is holy and God is good and man is just useless and nothing. No, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You cannot have a word of blessing towards God and a word of cursing towards man. Because that is the law. The word of grace is God is good and He has blessed man with everything. That is speaking out of one mouth. God is good and man is good because God made him good. But the word of God is good and this man is cursed because you've done this wrong and you've done that wrong and you're under this curse and that curse. You can't live like that. And the message of the curse comes by the law. For the Bible says in Galatians 3, cursed is everyone that's under the law. Okay, then it says, Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Um, and and uh, it cannot be like that. And he says, listen, you're supposed to preach grace and believe grace and preach grace and live by the grace of God, not the law of Moses. Then he comes and he says, this is just background, we're going to pick it up in, in chapter 4 now. Then he comes and he says, The wisdom that you as law teachers have does not come from above, but is earthly, sensual and devilish. For it brings strife and fighting and confusion amongst the people. But the wisdom that is from above, that I've just touched on before the worship, which is uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us, is peaceable, gentle and easy to entreat, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now he comes in chapter 4, he says, Where then come this war and fighting among you? Do they not come from the lust that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill, desire to have, and you obtain not, you fight and war, and yet you have not, because you ask not. So what he's actually saying to them is, that the fighting that they have, and what's in their life, is because of devilish wisdom. That's what he says. And, 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 and you desire, the one desires to be better than the other one, and the one desires to know more than the other one. <clears throat> 
and the one desires to have an, uh, a higher seat than the other one. So I know more of this. I know, I've got better wisdom on how to get, and I put it in normal words today, uh, in a situation, how to get a revival. I've got better wisdom on how to get sin out of a life of a person. He must fast, and he must pray, and he must do this, and he must do that, and, and 20 things on how to be free from the problem in your life. And out of that is born, um, the, the word lust in chapter 4 verse, verse 1 there is the word uh, um, actually pleasures. It says, even, uh, even your pleasures that war in your members, they've got these pleasures, you know, I'm better than this one, I'm better than that one, I've got a higher revelation. And I've got a deeper insight into the law. Yes, they've got higher and deeper revelation into the ministry of death. But they've got nothing when it comes to life. Not meaning anything to the kingdom of God or themselves or to anybody. It is just, uh, 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 it will just burn away in the goodness of God because it means nothing helps nobody. And they are just fighting and warring about, uh, about uh, all these things. It says, you lust and you have not and you kill and you desire to have and you obtain not. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. So it says, listen, you don't have wisdom because you're not asking for wisdom. And then it says, you ask for wisdom, but you don't receive wisdom because you want to consume it upon your own lust. Now, let me explain this to you. Because so many times we don't understand the scripture, but it's very easy to understand. Inside a person, when you're under the law, you get a desire for, for, uh, for something. You don't know for what, but you've just got this emptiness inside you, and that's what the law brings. I'm not fulfilled. I want more. Now, we see that in church too many times. We see that in the, in the charismatic move, which started in the 50s. We see that thing all the time. I want more. There must be more. There must be more. Okay? Now, because of that desire that you have there is born out of the law. Because the law tells you you're not enough, you need something. Okay? That's where it's born from. Now, out of that thing, Satan comes and the moment you're under the law, you feel that. Then he gives you the ten things that you must do in order to fulfill the law you are under. And now these people, they ask that they might have power to fulfill the law. To, to fulfill the lust or the desire that they have. And that's why they don't receive. And a good example is in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus was tempted by Satan um, to say, listen, take this stone and make it a bread. Now, if Jesus would have asked the Father to help him to make the stone a bread, he would have not received because he would have been asking to spend it upon his lust to prove that he's a son of God by his works. Okay? That's the way it works. And that's why many times people don't receive when it comes to uh, 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 healing. Because they think that I can, uh, 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 the word, work of God is going to be established in this world when we've got documented um, cases of healing. If, if, the, if I've got a doctor's letter that says this person has been healed from cancer, that means that he's been really healed from cancer. Now, that's a lie. It's not the truth. You don't need a letter from a doctor to say the man's healed to, for him to be healed. 
Now, the doctor will confirm what God has done. It's not that the miracles of God cannot be documented. But please, don't go and say, well, um, you know, Father, thank you that you will heal my blind eyes because that's going to be a testimony to the whole world. And that's why you want to testify. You want the Word of God to go out. Know this, that what Jesus has done is enough for the Word to go out without any miracle ever happening to any person. By just the preaching of the gospel. There was a man hanging on the cross next to Jesus Christ. He was saved. (laughs) Hallelujah. Without seeing miracles. No miracle happened in his life. He was hanging next to Jesus. Jesus said to him today, you'll be with me in paradise. And he was with Jesus in the bosom of Abraham. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Without all these miracles and those type of things, and I'm not against that, I do believe that we can see miracles, but let's not have a, a, a desire of acceptance and now we want to use miracles to fulfill the emptiness and the void in our lives which was caused by the law. You can't do it that way. You know, uh, the other day I spoke to, to a lady and I said to her, you know, she's living in the same house with her mother. And now she's struggling, and I want to use this example. I won't say who it is, but um, I want to just use the example because this is a practical thing that can help you. And, um, and now <clears throat> she's fighting with her mother because their personalities, they clash. Now she's, inside her she believes, and this is what I said to her, what I discern now, if it's right or wrong, doesn't matter. I think this is, there can be many cases like this. And I said to her, you're under a law that says you must be a good daughter in order, uh, um, you know, to be pleasing to God. By, and a good daughter is being good to a mother that is not good to you. And now you are in a situation where you and your mother fight. It's an unhealthy situation where she stays with you in the same house. And she's been staying with her in the same house for many years. And then they get fights. And, and it, it frustrates her. Now she's asking God for power not to be angry with her mother so that she can feel that she's a good daughter. Now, that doesn't happen cognitively. That's subconsciously. But that's the way it works. And now that prayer is not answered. She struggles and struggles. I said to him, and listen, rather use your faith and your belief and receive another apartment for your mother. Then let her live there. And then you'll have peace. Amen. As simple as that. And help her. And if there's somebody else that must help her when you're not there, hire someone. But don't live in this thing of I am, um, I'm going to sort this problem out and once this is sorted out, then I know I'm a good daughter and pleasing to God. No, you're pleasing to God. Don't try and change the situation in your life to, to receive that and then ask God for, uh, for power in order for that to happen to actually prove something to yourself. And I think that's the context of this. You know, so um, they ask and they receive not. Why? Because they ask to spend it upon their own lust. If you ask God, like, um, I don't know, I've said this last time, but I got blessed with a very, very nice motorbike. Um, Until last year, it was the fastest production bike in the world, the Suzuki Hayabusa. I'm so blessed. Somebody came and gave me this motorbike. But you know what? I didn't walk around... Uh, uh, this motorbike was standing at my house. This friend of mine asked me if I could store it here at my house. It was at another friend's house um, in Cape Town. And he asked me, man, can you just pick it up, bring it to your house, I will pick it up from your house and then take it home. I said, no, that's fine. I went to 
uh, uh, Cape Town, got the bike, brought it to my house, and was standing here um, at my house. And uh, then I walked past that bike, and I, I was riding with it every now and then, and I was just thinking, that's a nice bike. I didn't even say to God, I want the bike. In my heart, it was just a nice, a nice motorbike. That's all. I didn't feel that I need to have that bike in order to be blessed of God or to be called the blessed of God or anything like that. I just know that I'm blessed. And like I said the other day to you, I, I don't believe for stuff because I believe in someone whose nature is to bless people. And I've said it on, on these broadcasts so many times. I don't believe for a new car. I just know God. I know who He is. I can't get away from it. It's just the way it's going to be. And it was the same with a motorbike. I, it was just this blessing. Here I got a, a bike worth 90,000 rand. And, and it's just awesome. I, I mean, I didn't ask for it. I didn't beg for it. I didn't even pray for it. I believed who God was and that He meets all my needs according to His riches in glory and that He blesses me above what I can even ask or think. Amen. And that happened. And I didn't try to push. I didn't walk around, oh God, I want this bike or this. I was speaking to God. I said, you know, Lord, it would be nice to have a, 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 a fast motorbike or whatever. But that wasn't, I wasn't even thinking of buying something like that, of making a plan to get something like that. That was not even, I was just content with the one I had. But that was just how God does it. But if I would go around and say, well, you know, um, I need to have this, this specific motorbike, and I'm gonna, I believe God for this motorbike because, and, but in my con- subconscious mind, I know I'm only blessed if I get this thing. Then I call myself blessed. I don't say that I will not get it, but that blessing will be, will be out of human effort. Will not be out of God. That's why he says, you, you, you ask and you receive not because you want to spend it upon your own lust. Now, I hope you understand that. Um, you know, and I don't want to confuse you. Don't think that, don't say, oh, well, my motive must be so pure, otherwise God cannot bless me. That's not what I'm trying to say. All I'm trying to say is know the finished work of Jesus. Know that whatsoever you desire of God has already been given to you. And know that it's on its way. Whatever you're ever going to need, it's on its way to you. That's it. And don't find your identity in what God gives you, but find your identity in what He's done for you in Jesus Christ. That is the, the short and the long of this thing. Then he goes in, in verse 4, says, You adulteresses, adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. He's not talking about, with, about physical, physical adultery between a man and a woman or something like that. No, he's talking about adultery between grace and the law. And he says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Now, what is the world? Colossians chapter 2 verse 22. Let's read that quickly. Colossians 2 verse 22. You know, today it's just, a, it's just basically teaching of a verse-by-verse teaching. 2 verse 22. It says here, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why are you living in the... Why? As though living in the world are you subject to ordinances like touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using of the commandments and the doctrines of men, which things indeed have a show of wisdom in world worship and humility and neglect of the body, but is not in any honor against satisfying of the flesh. It says here, 
Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why are you living in the world? Why, as, as if you are living in the world, are you subject to laws? So what he says here, being in the world is basically being subject to laws. That's, that's the language, that's the Bible language for world. He says here, you are friends with the world. You are friends with the law. Don't you know that that is enmity with God? Do you think, verse 5, do you think the scripture says in vain that the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? Do you think God doesn't care about you just simply going back to the law? You can't. That's not what God is caring. He cares about that. He wants you to be part of grace and not mix with the law, not whore with the law. He doesn't want you to do that. He says, listen man, you are, you've got wrong wisdom because your wisdom is devilish, which is law wisdom, which was the wisdom. Why does he call the, 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 the wisdom of these, pharaoh, these people that had this pharisaical mindset of teaching the law, why do he call their, their wisdom devilish? Because that's what Satan gave to Adam in the beginning. The wisdom that Satan gave to Adam in the beginning was devilish. It was of the devil. Don't live by grace. By what you do, you can be like God. By knowing good and evil, you can be like God. Man, that's devilish. Now, he says to these people that were Christians teaching the word of the law, that their wisdom is devilish, and that wisdom is manifested in fighting and strife and all that amongst each other. And then he says to them, you are in adultery, man, for you are uh, having... Uh, 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 two husbands. You are married to Jesus, but you married to Moses as well. And the law. He says, God, he's, he's, he's jealous. He doesn't want that. He wants you only for Him. He wants you only for the message of grace. He wants you only for He blesses you. Amen. You know, it's like with my, my children. I don't say that somebody else cannot give somebody or something to my children. But I don't want my son to think that he's got two fathers. I'm his father. That's it. If he goes to the neighbor and he sees the neighbor as his father as well, and then he takes advice from me, and he takes advice, for, and it, one day he does what I say, and the next day he goes to the neighbor, and he gets advice from him, and then he calls him father as well. Man, I'm jealous. I don't want him to do that. I want to be the one that blesses him. For I know that I want the best for him. And how much more God? That's why God is jealous. He doesn't want you to call your own efforts also God. He doesn't want you to call the, the Moses, Moses' word the word of God. If my son say no, the word of the neighbor is also the word of his father. No ways. No ways. I'm his father. The word that I give him is the word of his father. Not the neighbor's word. In the same way with God. The word of Jesus Christ. Jesus was called the word of God. And God doesn't, he's a jealous God, doesn't want you to call any other word the word of God. So don't be in adultery with, with, through friendship with the world. Friendship with rules and regulations and all those type of things. No, don't do that. For God is a jealous God. But he gives. Although he's jealous, although he, he, he cares about this, this, he gives more grace. He says, 
but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. So listen, man. God is a gracious God. If you're under the law, He's got grace with you. He resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. In other words, listen to this. God looks at man. Man was seeking justification by his own works. Then God is gracious and He says, I will influence the life of a person that humbles himself and says that it's not by my power, but by the power of God. And the finished work of Jesus. He gives grace. Then he says, You submit yourselves before, therefore, unto God. Resist Satan, which is this devilish wisdom, which is the knowledge of by what I must do for God I'm blessed. Resist Satan, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, get into the message of grace, and then he will draw nigh to you, you will experience him. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Get away from this works mentality. Okay, that's what hands stand for. Purify your hearts. Get a different belief system. Because with the heart we believe unto righteousness. You double-minded. For they were double-minded. They believed in grace and they believed in the law. I see that in the church so many times. You know, as you hear this, I remember there was a guy preaching and I don't want to call names, but I saw him on television. He said, listen, if you don't love your neighbor, you're causing a gap between you and God. Rubbish. Finished. Amen. Next verse. Verse 9. It says here to the people that were under the law and that they saw they were blessed by the law. They were so happy by the law and all of that. Verse 9 it says, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. In other words, he says to them, Listen, see this thing that you believe as a law as affliction. Eh? There are many people today afflicted by the law. Afflicted by a death mentality. See yourself as afflicted. Let your laughter, that joy of getting this new revelation on how to get a new revival, let that be turned into mourning. When you get a revelation like that, cry. That's what he says. For that's killing you. And let your joy turn to heaviness. Their joy was the law. Let that be turned to heaviness. In other words... Um, and, and people might say, you know, Bertie, but why are you, you know, why don't you just accept when, when people also preach a little bit of law mixed in, you know, they don't know everything. It's because of this. I, I call the law affliction. So when somebody ministers the law and I sit under it, I might look afflicted. And I might start to cry and be upset. And I will not laugh, I will mourn. And I will have a very heaviness upon my heart. I will not look good when I'm under the law. For the scripture says clearly, look, be afflicted when it comes to the law. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. I am not happy when I hear the law. For, for I have turned that into heaviness. For I have humbled myself under the mighty hand of God and agreed with the message of grace. Hallelujah. Humble yourselves in the sight of, of the Lord and He shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother. This is, the, the context here is not um, 
the context of speaking evil here comes from the beginning of chapter 4, is got its foundation in chapter 3, and it was mentioned at the end of chapter 1. So it's talking about people fighting with each other because of doctrine speaking bad. You know, that guy's preaching that wrong. That one is doing that wrong. And the context is not from grace towards the law. Because from the perspective of grace towards the law, he's already correcting and rebuking them in, in the whole book. So the grace preacher, and that's what I said in the beginning, he judges all things. But he himself is judge of no one. So the guy that's in grace, the person that understands the finished work of Jesus, like James here, has got authority to go and help somebody that's under the law. But the law guy can never judge the grace guy, for he doesn't know what he knows. And he doesn't believe what he believes and doesn't see what he is seeing. And I'm not elevating myself, I'm just saying what the Word of God says. Amen. So that you can go and help somebody that is under the law, under a works mentality, and give him the message of God's unconditional love. And I want to remove the condemnation that's in the Scripture, because there might be a time when somebody just comes to your house and overstays his welcome, for instance. And now you get upset and you say, you know, Sister Mary did this, and uh, Brother Louis did that, and I'm upset about this. Now you feel that you've spoken evil of that person, and now you've spoken evil of the law, and now you're judged of the law, and, and you're actually in the end being, being judged by God. Now that is not what that scripture is saying. That scripture is saying to the people that are under the law, listen, you are under the law. You're not supposed to speak bad about each other. You know, rebuking them with their law mindset that they can feel guilty, that they can need a saviour. Now, this was written to the Jews, my friend. This was not... I mean, if, if, if you wrote this to... Uh, 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 now, almost I said a Pharisee, to the Gentiles, they wouldn't even have listened to you. They would say, what a waste of time. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you? Uh, that judge one another. So, what he's actually saying is, you're not supposed to judge one another. The judgment comes from God, and the way God judges is by grace. Amen. So, why are you now judging one another? You are under the law, judging each other, breaking your own law. Let God be the judge, and He judges with a righteous judgment, which is on the foundation of grace. Go you now, you that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and gain. Whereas you, uh, I says, don't you know, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Now listen to this. Sometimes we've been, we said, you know, out of this scripture we shouldn't say, um, you know, tomorrow we're going to do this. Uh, you know, then we'll breathe tomorrow. And we've made that a law because we are scared to say that I'm going to do this tomorrow because if I don't say, if God's will, then God's not going to allow me to be blessed. But that's not what that scripture is saying. The context here is these people that say out of their own effort, they're going to work up their own salvation and their own blessing, and now he's rebuking them away from the law into grace, saying to them, you should not say by my own power, I'm going to do this. You should actually say by the will of God, I'm going to do this. So, if it is the will of God, or let, let's just read this. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
He's actually saying by your own power, you cannot say, I'm going to do this. But by the will of God, you can definitely get things right. So he's trying to tell them it's not by your power, but it's by what God has done for you in Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it seems to me we're not really going to finish up with five. Definitely not. Let's just get into verse 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So what he says to them here, he says to them, listen, I am telling you that you are knowing the good now of the message of grace. I've been teaching you this message of grace. You know now what to do good. You must now leave this law and get into the message of grace. If you don't do that, that's sin. And so many times you use that scripture wrong, saying to people, if you know what is good and you don't do it, it's sin. Making everybody sinners in one second. Because there's many good things that you know you must do, like loving somebody, forgiving somebody, and don't get it right. Now you are seen as a sinner because you haven't done that. The context of verse 17 there is not the works of the law. The context of verse 17 is the work of putting aside the law and getting into grace. Now, if you know to do good, what good thing? That is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, to cry when you hear the law, to mourn under the law, to, to say that, to have some of a spirit of heaviness, to say, I I'm, I'm feel heaviness upon me, I can't carry this thing, I don't want the law, I am under grace. This is the good thing that you must do. Now, if you know, now you know that good thing, do it. If you don't do it, it's sin. Amen. Hallelujah. And then chapter 5, let's just get a little bit in chapter 5, chapter 5, verse, uh, verse 1 to 5, um, is it, 1 to 6 is basically speaking to rich people that abuse the church. And he rebuked them and actually condemns them very badly. And then from verse 7, it speaks to the church again. And then it says, Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Um, behold, the husband waits for the precious fruit of the earth that has... Um, and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. And we're going to talk about that uh, next time. Just verse 7 for, for uh, interest's sake. It doesn't speak about an end time revival. It's not. It just encourages the person to wait until the Lord's coming. That's all. That's not, he says, listen, look at somebody that, that, that farms. He waits, man. He waits for the rain. And he, he waits for the thing to happen. He doesn't try to do anything. He waits for the rain. It receives the, the, the first rain. It receives the last rain. There's a harvest. Everything is there. They wait. And what he's trying to say here, he talks about patience. He says to them, listen, just be patient. The Lord's coming. And now we've taken that scripture and say, well, there's a first rain, which was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and now there's going to be another outpouring, and because of that supernatural outpouring, we must wait for that, and, and then try to hurry that up by fasting and praying and pushing through and proclaiming Scripture and praying through the night, then there's going to be another outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Man, if God gave the outpouring of the, of the Holy Spirit the first time because of grace, why will it change now? He's not going to change. And um, I believe that there's one thing that we wait for as Christians, and that's the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have all fullness already now, and there's nothing more that God's going to ever do. 
The only thing that is more that is going to manifest, but it's already done everything in order for that to manifest, is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, where you'll receive your glorified body. Amen. That's, that's it. Hallelujah. And that gives us peace and grace because everything is in Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's not the Alpha and you the Omega, the finisher of your faith. He started the thing. He's finishing it up. He's doing it all. Amen. So, let's be free. Let's mourn when we hear the law. Let's cry when we're under the con- message of condemnation. When, 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 when somebody comes to you with a, with a message of, of law, man, <laughs> I don't want to say look sad on purpose, but let that not be good news to you. It's not supposed to be good news. If somebody comes and says, you know, uh, for, a, for end time revival, we need to pray, we need to fear God, we need to, I've, I've listened to something like that recently. You need to pray, then you need to fear God. And if you don't want to pray, God will cause something to happen to you to pray. It's like somebody uh, uh, telling somebody, kneel, pray. He must kneel now. And the guy says, no, I don't want to pray now. You kick him, kick him in the knee, breaks his knee, so that he must kneel down, and then he kneels down and says, oh Lord, I've got pain. And then you say, well, you've prayed now, hallelujah, now you must fear me. And then manifest something that makes this guy so scared, that he doesn't know where he is. That's not God. God doesn't want you to fear. Every time an angel appeared, every time God appeared, there was a voice that says, fear not. For it's not the will of God to fear. And Jesus took the word fear in Deuteronomy 5 um, and He translated it into the word worship in the New Testament. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God. Not fear the Lord your God. You shall worship the Lord your God. Our God is a consuming fire. The word consume in the Hebrew language it can also be used for the word heal. Fire speaks of His glory and His goodness. He's a healing goodness, man. Receive His goodness. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12. So let's not go to a place where we say, you know, we must do all these things to get a revival, do all these things to get a breakthrough. The only thing that you can do is listen to the grace of God and believe the good news. And it manifests. Hallelujah. My life is a testimony. I I tell you, if we look where we came from, um, Eliana and I, we, we preached in, in the crusade and I told the people where we came from and while we listened to that, while I was preaching and I realized, man, we were suffering. But if I look at the grace of God and what it produced in my life, there was times when people said, oh, this grace thing doesn't work. Look how you're suffering. I wonder where are they now? Because maybe it took some time, but through faith and patience, we received the promise. Hallelujah. Jesus received on our behalf. We believed it not to get it, but because we knew it was the grace, because it was true. That's the only thing you can do. If there's any work you want to do for God, believe that everything's for free and not by your works. That's a good thing that you can do. Amen. And be exceedingly sorrowful when you hear a message of what you must do for God to get God to bless you. That's what the Word of God commands the people under the law. And if we are under the law and we're getting out under the law, let's take the book of James and apply it in in the correct way into our lives. Amen. The book of James is just to help the people that were under the law into grace in a very difficult way for the Gentiles to understand. But at least it is full and flooded with grace. 
Amen. Hallelujah. You know, maybe you've been listening to Web Church the first time and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. And you have come to a place where you realize that you need Jesus as a Savior. Because you've tried to save your situation by your works, your prayer, your fasting, your trying to serve God and all of that. But you need Jesus to be your Savior. I want to, I want to pray with you. And you can follow me in this simple prayer. And as I say these words, just mean it out of your heart. Be serious before the Lord and receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, I want to pray for everybody that's listening to my voice right now. And especially for those who want to receive you as their Savior. This will happen powerfully today. I would like you just to repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your obedience on my behalf. I come to you today and I confess that I cannot do it by myself. I receive your grace. I receive your salvation. Save me, Jesus, right now. Thank you, Jesus for forgiving my sins, carrying my sins. I am forgiven. I receive a new life. As from today, Jesus is my Savior. I repent of the law and I turn to grace and the work of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, thank you so much that you have joined us in this broadcast. If you want to write to us, please feel free. We've got a web pastor that that will answer your email. Um, You know, whatever they cannot answer, they will refer to me. I will contact you if it's needed. We would love to to hear from you. We would love to speak to you. Um, We would love you to be part of this family. If you don't go to a grace-based church, man, this is your opportunity. This is the place where you can be part of what God is doing. In a very, very powerful way. You don't have to say, well, um, you know, I'm, uh, uh, I'm just going to struggle here at home. No, this is the message where, or the place where you can feel loved, feel cared for, be contacted on a weekly basis, um, be part of a cell group where, grace, where the message of grace is discussed. You know, we've got a, we've got a guy down in um, Australia, uh, Piet, and he's just, man, he's an awesome guy. He got a hold of the message of grace and he is impacting the people around him. He's, his life was changed. He's part of this web church. The fa- he's part of this family. Man, he's like a, a brother. I've never met him in person, but we spoke on Skype. We saw each other on the computer. We speak uh, uh, frequently. It's, it's just awesome. He, ad- he would come and send advice me, say, Bert, you know, we need this in the service or that. Can't you do this? Can't you do that? Um, we would pray for each other. It's just awesome. You know, so he was the one that asked me, Bathy, don't you want to do a series on the book of James? And I felt in my heart, yes. So this is a family. And I want to, I want to just invite you to the family. Just become part of this. You know, uh, contact us. Thank you, man. God is, God is just such a good God. If you've got any sickness in your body, know that God loves you. Know that God cares for you and that He brings healing to your body through the grace of God. Now I'm going to pray for you right now and then we're going to um, end off with a, with a beautiful song. Amen. <clears throat> Let's just pray for those who's got sickness. Put your hand wherever your sickness is, wherever you experience pain. Now, I do believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit you're going to be healed.
In the mighty name of Jesus, I stretch forth my hand right now. I thank you, my God, that healing comes to every person that is listening to my voice. I speak healing over back problems. I speak healing over hip problems, knees, headache, blindness, deafness, all types of cancer, all types of diseases that is really bringing pain and discomfort to people. I bring healing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ to everybody right now in Jesus' name. I say, be healed now. Amen. Hallelujah. Just receive that by faith, being persuaded that Jesus did it for you and it's a free gift. Amen. Thank you that you've listened to me. We are playing out with a song. God bless you.